You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. In 1991, the first ever G1 Climax was born. Replacing the former World Leagues and IWGP League tournaments, this new tournament took the top heavyweights New Japan Pro Wrestling had to offer to see who truly was the best in the promotion. But not everyone got the opportunity to compete in the G1 Climax. After all, the G1 Climax was for the best of the best, and to be invited in was an honor in of itself. Some wrestlers never appeared, while some competed year in and year out. Today, however, we will be discussing the men that got the call only one time. This is G1 and Only. Welcome to G1 and Only. My name is Ryan Knightsey. On today's episode, we are looking at the career and the G1 Climax run of someone who had a solid beginning with New Japan as a junior, but has since traveled the rest of Japan and even the globe, running a prominent minor promotion along the way and still working well into the age of 48. He's a former junior heavyweight champion, junior tag team champion in New Japan. He's had historic feuds with Jushin Thunder Liger. He's synonymous with Zero One. Today, we're looking at this wrestler's appearance in the 2008 G1 Climax as his one and only run in the entire history of New Japan. Today, we are talking about Shinjiro Otani. Otani was born July 12, 1972. He has quite the story on his introduction into wrestling as well. At a young age, Otani was fascinated with Kengo Kimura, a fellow one and only G1 Climax wrestler. Because of this inspiration, Otani graduated high school and chose to go into pro wrestling instead. His parents greatly disliked his choice, uh, but he didn't care, you know, deciding to leave anyway with only 60,000 yen in his pockets or roughly 250 US dollars. Otani started training, but of course, with little to no money, he was essentially homeless. Thanks to the head trainer, however, Otani was able to work at a liquor store, which was able to pay for a place to live and help him follow his wrestling dream. He made his official debut on June 25th, 1992, for New Japan against Hiroshi Yamato, later known as Hiroshi Tenzan. 
Otani got the young line treatment for a while, but was able to break out and enter the IWGP junior heavyweight title picture by 1995, even becoming the inaugural WCW Cruiserweight Champion on March 20th, 1996, defeating Wild Pegasus. That's right, Otani was the title's inaugural champion, with the final one being Hornswoggle. What a lineage. What a lineage. Otani would also go on to win the J Crown and become the inaugural IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champion alongside Tetsuto Takaiwa, another previous one and only entry. He had legendary feuds with Jushin Thunder Liger, El Samurai, and many other wrestlers. However, in 2000, the juniors started to get cycled down in favor of heavyweights, which eventually brought on Anokiism. Otani hated the idea, like many of the wrestlers in the back locker room, and ended up leaving the company altogether alongside Shinya Hashimoto to create a new wrestling promotion called Pro Wrestling Zero One. Otani stayed a top star in the promotion and in 2007 became the president of that promotion. It was around this time that Zero One and New Japan began to rekindle a friendship together, creating a small alliance between the two brands. This, of course, led to Otani returning to New Japan to compete in several matches, including what we are looking at today, the 2008 G1 Climax. Shinjiro Otani started his one and only G1 Climax run, taking on 11-time G1 Climax participant and 1999 G1 Climax winner, Unabu Nakanishi. And we are starting out strong with the show because I couldn't watch this match. No DVD, no match, so apologize for that, folks. But looking at the match in a historical perspective through cage match, we see that Shinjiro Otani defeated Minabu Nakanishi in 12 minutes and 21 seconds, which I honestly think says more to me, at least, about Minabu Nakanishi at this time than anything else. Yes, you know, you give the president of Zero One and this strong win over a big dude to look good, but it always feels like the big guy in that situation happens to be Minabu Nakanishi. He's this sort of strong man gatekeeper. Uh, you know, at the same time, a payday is a payday, so I don't blame Manabu what's one bit. Block A Night 1 ends with Shinjiro Tani, Giant Bernard, Hiroshi Tanahashi with two points, Munaba Nakanishi, Tatoshi Kojima, Togi Makabe, and Wataro Inoue with zero points. Moving to night two, Otani tries to continue the lead and break out from that top pack by facing first-time G1 Climax participant Wataro Inoue. The two start the matchup with a strong lockup that ends up them rolling along the ropes, looking for an advantage over the other. We then get a classic shoulder block test of strength sequence with Otani getting the win. This all leads into a slap off with Otani winning once more, but on a, but in a way, finally catches Otani with a kitchen sink, then a running knee to the outside. 
back of the ring in a way stomps otani in the corner then giving some shoulder blocks as well in a way hits a double underhook face planter kind of move uh, and follows up with some chops to a downed otani so in a way is now uh in possession of the uh momentum let's say he has momentum he's possession of momentum same sort of thing Otani fights out of that down position and proceeds to take down Inoue, choking him out on the canvas, then raking his face on a on a hold. Inoue is selling this hard, sort of screaming in agony. It was very uh, a weird way, hard to watch, which I guess is a good thing for wrestling. Otani takes Inoue to the outside, throwing him to the barricade and bouncing him off the ring post. Back the ring, Otani brings Inoue into the corner, then face washes him. He goes for a second, but when Inoue gets up, Otani boots him back down. When Otani goes for that third attempt, Inoue successfully stops Otani into a huge drop kick for a two count from Inoue. Otani has to find a way to stop his momentum, or stop Inoue's momentum, I should say. So he does that, just that, with a running shiny wizard into a release dragon suplex. But Inoue cuts Otani off with a move of his own, a release German. Inoue tries to suplex Otani off the top rope, and after battling for a minute on the top, Inoue hits it for the two count. Inoue hits a fisherman buster and almost wins, but Otani kicks out again. Otani hits another release dragon suplex, then goes for the spinning power bomb, or rather the spiral bomb, to pick up his second victory in the G1 climax. Conclusion Shinjiro Otani defeated Wataru Inoue in 9 minutes and 56 seconds. This match was a solid match with a simple story of who is better than whom. What better than go from there? Otani, the man with more experience, is able to stay on top of Inoue throughout the match. And despite a couple of hope spots out of Inoue, the match, I would argue, largely stayed in Otani's corner. To be honest, I, you know, I didn't see much in terms of a grand character of Otani. Just seemed like, you know, your classic wrestling dude. If anything, he was a little cocky in the ring. But, you know, when you're the president of another company, I think you've maybe earned that. Blocking night two ends with Otani with four points, Bernard, Kojima, Makabe, and Tanahashi with two points, and Nakanishi in Inoue with zero points. On night three of the 2008 G1 Climax, Otani takes on two-time G1 Climax participant and 2006 G1 semifinalist, Giant Bernard. G1 Climax 2008, the two lock up to start the match, and Bernard immediately throws off Otani, showcasing that strength. He does it again when Otani gets a wrist lock, but Bernard again just throws Otani off. Otani then tries to capture a waist lock, but Bernard brings Otani into the corner. Otani is able to dodge a back elbow using that speed, but Bernard brings him back to the corner for some more punishment. So we're getting right off the bat the summation of this story. We got speed and technicalness versus a big bruiser. Bernard throws Otani off the ropes, but Otani uses the quickness to escape out of the ring. Bernard is able to catch Otani when he re-enters with a big crossbody, then proceeds to drop elbows onto Otani for even more pain. Bernard locks in a neck crank, then an abdominal stretch to really work down, wear down Otani. Bernard headbutts Otani into the corner, drawing blood straight out of Otani's forehead. 
that single stream of blood just goes right down his face. Like it's, uh, if you've seen, uh, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you have the Kazuchika Okada Shibata match um, with uh, Shibata headbutting him. And then he looks at the camera and he's got that single stream of blood. That's kind of what it looks like. Luckily, it didn't end anything you know badly medically after this match like it did with the Shibata match. But we got that beautiful visual of the single stream of blood going down someone's forehead. Bernard does give up the punishment, uh, throwing Atani as hard as possible into the corner. Bernard doesn't give up uh, on the punishment, throwing Otani as hard as possible into the opposite corner, causing Otani to fall out of the ring. Outside the ring, Bernard meets him, and Otani and Bernard exchange chops. Bernard goes for a big lariat, but Otani dodges, causing Bernard to lariat the post, hurting that arm of his. Otani, excited, grabs a chair to beat down Bernard's shoulder. He was given an opportunity, so he's going to be on the outside and beat down Bernard. Go after that arm. Go after that shoulder. Back in the ring, Otani continues to go after Bernard's arm, booting that direct spot. Uh, Otani captures a wrist lock, stands on the bottom rope for added leverage, and slams it on his own shoulder. He's, He's working that arm. He's just trying to work that arm to give even more pain to Giant Bernard. Otani tries to throw Bernard into the corner, but Bernard counters, throwing Otani into the corner himself, then splashing him, then Vader bombing Otani. On the second Vader bomb attempt from Bernard, Otani counters, but Bernard stops his comeback. Bernard goes for the face wash of his own, but Otani obviously knows what's coming, you know, it's his move, and he stops Bernard, allowing Otani to then face wash Bernard twice in two different corners. Otani goes for a suplex, Bernard counters. Bernard goes for another move. Otani reverses into a German, followed up with a wrist lock armbar, working that injured, worked on arm all match. Bernard gets Otani into the Argentine backbreaker, swings him out for a slam, which was just beautiful to watch. Otani kicks an incoming lariat. Bernard tries another lariat attempt. Otani kicks that again, then captures in that wrist lock armbar again. Bernard is able to get out of it, hits a big boot, followed up with a massive lariat that connects uh, that Otani is able to kick out of. It's very close. It's very close to count here, but Otani was able to kick out of. Otani really sells the escape of danger out of the pin. He, he kicks out and like he like flies into life. Like it's like he touched a live wire and is just exploding out of the pin. Bernard catches, however, Otani with a splash into the corner. Then we get a giant powerbomb from Bernard right in the center of the ring for the win. Conclusion. Giant Bernard defeats Shinjiro Otani in 14 minutes and 12 seconds. In a very obvious layout of this match, Giant Bernard played the big brawny villain versus the speedy former junior and technical wizard Shinjiro Otani. And maybe it's the size difference between Bernard and Otani, but I'm starting to really see Otani's selling, his ability to sell and shine throughout the match. He does these subtle moves that make it seem more realistic, but also in a weird way, also over the top. You know, he's playing for that last row, but also making it look real, which is a weird line to to try to uh, find the walk down, I should say. 
which inevitably all helps with this connection with the crowd. I also love the playing of the boot washes with Bernard and Otani each going for them, with Otani getting it done as the, of course, master of the move, apparently. Bernard's strength ultimately gains him the victory, but Otani did really well, and I joined the performance from both wrestlers. Block A Night 3 ends with Otani, Bernard, Makabe with four points, Kojima, Nakanishi, and Tanahashi with two points, and Inoue with zero points. For night four of the G1 Climax, Shinjiro Otani faces four-time G1 Climax participant and at the time, one half of the IWGP Tag Team Champions, Togi Makabe. Before the match was able to actually properly begin, Shinjiro Otani jumped Makabe during his entrance. So Otani is in the ring, uh, beating down Makabe, stomping him in the back of the head, just chopping him. He's taking it to Makabe. He's, I don't, I don't know if there's some sort of former rivalry between the two or anything, or a rivalry that was happening at the time. Uh, but at the very least, Otani knows Makabe, knows what Makabe is capable of, and he uh, is going right at it. So he's able to just run the ropes, uh, but he gets stopped very quickly by Makabe's stablemate, Jado, uh, helping to stop Otani. Uh, very uh, obvious that uh, Jado is just doing the same stuff he's always been doing uh, till today as well. Um, then we get a little bit of brawling outside, and then Makabe goes back in the ring. Otani stays outside, under, head underneath the uh, apron. I think this is the moment where Otani was meant to blade or try to reopen his head wound, wound from the previous match because he stayed outside the ring just for a little bit too long, and he didn't get much blood either. So I don't know what happened. I think he was either struggling, couldn't see. I don't know what was happening. But it was sort of, it was unusually long for it to get a that lack, lack of amount of blood. That lack of blood? That's what I should probably say. Back of the ring, Makabe beeps down Atani into the corner. We get a big vertical suplex from Makabe into a long-duration headlock. Makabe, however, does grab a steel chair and chokes Otani with it, much to the referee's chagrin. Otani lands Hope Spot side suplex, big, big boot combo, bringing Makabe to the outside. Otani then, you know, he has to go on the offense. He brings the fight to Makabe, using the ring post and Makabe's own steel chain against Makabe, busting him open. So then we got two bloody individuals. Back in the ring, Otani nails a diving drop kick on Makabe straight into a face watch. The face wash, I should say, super over. Super over of the crowd. I haven't mentioned before, but super over. Otani wants Makabe to bleed even more, biting that forehead to create even more blood. Otani and Makabe get into a slap fight. Makabe goes for a big boot. Otani reverses it into a German. Makabe gets up, hits a Larry, and both men are down for the count. Not too long, they both get up eventually and hit shoulder blocks. Makabe goes for a second move, a lariat, uh, to get bring Otani down. He picks him back up, hits him back down with a powerbomb for a very close win, but doesn't get it. Makabe hits a lariat to the back of Otani. Otani hits a kick on the second lariat attempt from Makabe. Otani then goes for something of his own, but we don't know what it is because Jado hits Otani with a chair. Makabe gets that steel chain, winds up for a steel lariat, you know, wrapping that steel chain around his arm to hit a steel lariat, I will call it. 
Otani blocks it. Makabe drops the chain and hits the lariat without the steel chain. Otani then gets up, hits a running chop into two dragon suplexes for a very close three count. Otani hits the spider bomb and gets the win with a huge, uh, electrifying, huge celebration. Conclusion. Shinjiro Otani defeated Togi Makabe in 12 minutes and 11 seconds. You love to see someone start a match with some fire, right? You know, going straight after the other wrestler, and the match plays out as violent as it can. You know, you don't want someone to start a match of fire and then it sort of, you know, piddles out at the end there. It's the 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 intensity was throughout. Both men busted open, played into that chaotic violence, and this was just an awesome watch. Blood in any wrestling match instantly makes it a little bit better, and adding Otani working from this underneath angle, trying to stay alive with blood and Otani's superb selling, this was just top-down great. Otani is very good at selling the out-of-nowhere defining victory like I talked about before. You know, not roll-ups necessarily what I'm talking about, but just... The joy from the win is amazing to see. That connection, that that electrocution, like he's like suddenly alive. Uh, really, it creates immediate pops. This match, Bloody War, is what it was, uh, where Otani and Makabe, uh, Otani even used Makabe's own tactics, using the steel chair, using the steel chain, uh, using these things, uh, to, to biting him even uh, against using the tactics of Makabe against himself, uh, and he was able to pull out a victory mid tournament and stay at the top of the block. Going into that though, block A night four ends with Otani with six points, Bernard Nakanishi, Kojima, and Makabe with four points, Tanahashi with two points, and Inoue with zero points. On night five of the G1 Climax, Otani was the odd man out here and took the night off, but he was back on night six to take on seven-time G1 Climax participant Satoshi Kojima. We start off the match with a little bit of a feeling out process, you know, lockups, test of strength, headlocks, you name it, they did it. We do get out of it is that both men are fairly equal, I would say, is what they're presenting. Kojima, of course, has more strength than Otani, and Otani has, I would argue, maybe more of a technical skill. But it's not like, you know, Bernard Otani where it was a huge difference. It's, it's more so that they're more on an even playing field. They just have these sort of, um, let's say, minors in strength and technical skill or, or whatever. Also, Otani is, you know, working Kojima's arm this entire time while Kojima is going after Otani's legs. Kojima does hit a huge back suplex, goes for a lariat, but Otani is able to block it with a kick. Otani wraps Kojima's arm around the ropes for torque, striking the arm against the ring buckle into an arm hold itself, transitions it into an arm bar, and refuses to let go after Kojima reaches the ropes. Otani continues to work on Kojima's Larry arm throughout the match, uh, but Kojima does get a little bit of juice out of that arm when he goes through those classic Kojima chops into the corner. 
Otani does also his classic face wash into the corner two times, you know, so we're, we're exchanging moves here. Again, showcasing the sort of even playing field here. They got the classic chops, the classic boot wash in that corner. Slap exchange in the center of the ring now. Kojima wins with a rolling elbow. Kojima goes for the lariat, but it's blocked again, allowing Otani to go back after the arm and transition into said arm bar. Kojima goes for another lariat, but Otani dodges it again to go to the outside of the ring. So Kojima is like, look, I got to follow him. So he follows it up with a plancha to the outside. Kojima hits a DDT on the ring apron to Otani, and the two fight on the outside, with Otani doing a senton off the ring apron onto Kojima, followed up with Kojima doing a suplex to Otani onto the mat, all of these resulting in both men barely getting back to the ring for the 20 count. Kojima hits that cozy cutter, and both men are now staggering. Kojima goes for the lariat twice, and both times Otani reverses it into a release dragon suplex, Maybe he should have held on because on the third attempt, Kojami, Kojima nails the lariat for the first time all match. Lariat so strong, Otani falls outside for the breather, takes the full 19 count. You can see now why Otani was going after Kojima's arm because he got hit with the lariat once and got knocked out of the ring for 19 seconds. Insane, insane sell job there. Otani gets back in the ring and gets nailed with another lariat. It explodes out of 2.9. We're talking that sudden explosion, that electrocution. Uh, surprise kick out there. Kojima, I keep pronouncing his name incorrectly. Kojima goes for another lariat, and Otani pulls something from an old enemy and hits a shote twice to Kojima. Kojima brings Otani to the top rope and hits a Frankensteiner off of it. He then goes for a lariat. Otani reverses the move into a bridging suplex into the spider bomb, but, Ko but Kojima kicks out. Otani locks in the King Cobra clutch now in the middle of the ring. Time is running out, so Otani stops the hold and goes for two pen attempts. The referee, not referee, the ring announcer is starting to count down. We've got a minute left here, folks. Otani looks to put Kojima away, but Kojima hits the lariat instead, and Otani kicks out. Kojima goes for a pin, but no, time is running out yet again. He goes for one more lariat, but no, he is not able to get the pin because the time runs out. The match is a draw. Conclusion. Satoshi Kojima and Shinjiro Otani went to a 30-minute time limit draw. What a great way to use that 30-minute time limit draw here. This match showcased that evenness of both competitors and the wear and tear that was not only worked on the entire match, but was received as well. 
For instance, Otani focused on Kojima's arm, which was, of course, affect Kojima's lariat, which they use in you know different ways, with Kojima being forced to use his other arm to actually take down Otani with a lariat, or use the hurt lariat arm, and Otani's still able to kick out. So, you know, using that sort of mentality of, like, it's it's not because I'm working the arm, the lariat isn't as powerful. Otani selling really comes on display here in the performance mixed with the Makabe performance. I would describe Otani's best use of selling coming from that idea of, you know, almost, I would argue maybe almost like desperation. You know, a lot of desperation stems from like that angry, like looking at your hands, thinking, what do I, what else do I have to do? But Otani uses it as moments to burst out of pins and pop the crowd suddenly with a, oh shit, Otani still has life in him. And you have to think to yourself, what do both of these guys have to do now? What Otani looks like he has a second wind almost, uh, but now he needs to find something to do. With Otani's second wind, what does his competitor now have to do to put down Otani? This, this ability to, to, to do this spot works to eventually help both wrestlers. This was a really good match. I would argue a go-out-of-your-way match to watch. Highly recommend it. Block A Night 6 ends with Otani and Kojima with 7 points, Makabe, Nakanishi, and Bernard with 6 points, and Tanahashi and Inoue with 2 points. In his last match of the 2008 G1 Climax, Otani looks for the win in the entire block when he faces six-time G1 Climax participant and the 2007, that's right, the year prior G1 Climax winner, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Of course, this is the ace of the universe, ace of the century, one in a century. Uh, so it's going to be a tough battle for Otani here. But we're going to start off the match, you know, very simply. This is wrestling after all. So we get that back and forth chain wrestling to start, switching waist locks on the mat, headlocks, sizing each other up to uh, start the match. Tanahashi is able to get the advantage when he slams Otani down, but he taunts to the crowd. So we got a little, little cocky Tanahashi here. Because of that cockiness, he's going to have to eat a boot from Otani. The two then trade stiff elbows and chops. Otani's easily more stiff. You could hear it from Otani, uh, where it's just sort of like a you know, little bit limper from Tanahashi. Tanahashi stretches out Otani's legs in the middle of the ring, but Otani reaches the ropes. Again, Otani's selling very well here. Tanahashi throws Otani into the turnbuckle, and Otani bounces off with a low dropkick that attacks Tanahashi's knees. Otani brings Tanahashi into the corner and goes for that face wash. On the second version of it, Tanahashi is able to catch the leg and hit a dragon screw leg whip. Otani counters back with a huge power bomb. Tanahashi hits a release dragon. Otani powers through and hits one of his own. Tanahashi gets up, hits a sling blade. Otani hits a high kick, and both men go down. Nice back and forth sequence here. Uh, both men eventually, of course, get up. Otani hits a side suplex into the spider bomb, but just like the Kojima match, Tanahashi is able to kick out. Otani plays up the what do I need to do now, the desperation bit, with the crowd fully behind Tanahashi. Otani goes for the reverse, dra- not the reverse, release dragon suplex. Tanahashi reverses that into the German suplex bridge. Tani is down. Tanahashi goes to the top rope. Tani, you know, stops Hiroshi Tanahashi on that top rope. 
Tanahashi, however, rolls through, rolls over him, and hits a powerbomb. Tanahashi, now with Otani on the mat, goes for the top rope, hits the high fly flow to get the win. Conclusion. Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Shinjiro Otani in 12 minutes and 44 seconds. Tanahashi was in full ace mode here during this match. This is a classic Tanahashi match. Lots of energy, good selling from both sides. Everyone looks good, and we end the match with an extremely fast-paced finish. Never a bad match formula, but you've certainly seen it before if you've watched Tanahashi work. Looking at Otani, this was a great way to go out uh, I would say go out in general, you know, both on a wrestler standpoint and a political standpoint. Tani was able to look good all tournament long, get his moves in, but just couldn't get it done against the ace of New Japan Pro Wrestling. But Otani is also the head of another Japanese wrestling promotion, so being a part of the tournament and having a really good run puts Otani over, and then losing, of course, to their ace, to the guy they're pushing in Tanahashi, helps put Tana over, making everyone look good in the process. Block A Night 7 ends with Makabe with 8 points, Otani and Kojima with 7 points, Nakanishi and Bernard with 6 points, and Tanahashi and Inoue with 4 points. This marked the end of regular G1 Climax tournament matches. All wrestlers have faced each other in the tournament, and literally, if it was not for Hiroshi Tanahashi, Otani could have actually won the entire block, since he even defeated Togi Makabe, the guy that won the block, earlier in the G1. Damn you, sexy Tanahashi! Following the 2008 G1 Climax, Otani returned to 0-1 and continued to wrestle, obviously, and eventually was able to win the World Heavyweight Championship for about a month. But, you know, he was able to continue to work and run 0-1 while also visiting many other promotions throughout the world. In 2015, Otani went back to the junior division to, you know, breathe some life back in that division. He reformed his team with Takaiwa and continued to win both singles and tag team titles ever since. Zero One did have their own slew of financial troubles, you know, made worse by the COVID-19 pandemic. But Zero One was able to sell themselves to a holding group and continue to put on shows while serving as the chairman of the board. So congrats to Shinjiro Otani on that. Shinjiro Otani's G1 and only grade, B+. In two weeks, we move forward into 2009 with four possible wrestlers to talk about. Right now, uh, as I'm recording this, I don't exactly know who I'm going to talk about, but the options in front of us are Takeshi Sagira, Masato Tanaka, Takao Mori, and Tajiri. We'll definitely talk about one of the guys next episode, but in the meantime, subscribe to the show, subscribe to G1 and Only, wherever you get podcasts, and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. But until next time, please stay safe, everybody. And I will talk to you all in two weeks on G1 and only.
Hi guys, this is Lauren. This is Michael. And this is your Dose of Death podcast. If you're genuinely curious about the world of deathmatch wrestling, look no further as me and Mike have you covered on all things in the world of deathmatch wrestling, whether it's interviews, show reviews, or everything in between. We have you covered on all things deathmatch wrestling, whether it's past, present, or future. And you're probably wondering where you can go support us. You can find Your Dose of Death podcast on all major podcast platforms, especially along with the Countout Network of Podcasts. And also, you can support us on the Countout Patreon, as we have exclusive content only on the Patreon for all of our listeners. We hope that you go listen to Your Dose of Death podcast very soon. And see you at the show. This has been a Countout Podcast.